It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. I was planning something scary this Halloween, such as going without a mask. But I think there's something scary going on with my guest, so I shall defer to her. Jana Weimer is director and co-writer of Abandon, opening October 5th at the Vegas Theater Company in the Vegas Arts District. Abandon presents a scary journey through a Paris asylum in the 1800s. There are 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. performances from October 5th through the 31st, and guests must be 17 years or older. For ticket information, go to theater.vegas/abandon. That's theater.vegas/abandon. And you can follow Abandon on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And Jana, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, what is it with you and horror? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, for as long as I can remember, I've loved horror. I blame. I grew up in Fresno, California. Okay, that explains it all. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Only kidding. Only kidding, Fresno. I meant Stockton. No, I'm, I'm kidding about Scott. Stockton. <laughs> the only thing worse than Fresno is Bakersfield. <laughs> Sorry, Bakersfield. Uh, she said it. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was, there's a Channel 26, KMPH. Of course uh, there is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, noon on Saturdays, they had action theater and they would show these awesome horror films. And so I'd get up on Saturdays and. I'd watch cartoons, of course, you know, Bugs Bunny, Chuck Jones is my greatest hero. Uh, and then noon, I'd, you know, like three hours of horror films. And I, <laughs> I, I, I blame KMPH, really. <laughs> <laughs> now, this may be, you may be too young for this, but since you said Channel 26, from my generation, that's UHF. From your generation, maybe cable. So which one is it in your case? Oh, no, UHF. I've never had cable. Oh, okay. So it was UHF. All right. Very good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Good. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see how that would uh, bend your mind a little bit. But what further bent your mind is you moved to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, I was well into horror before I moved to Hollywood. No, right. But that further bent it, I guess is what I'm saying. That was kind of an attempt at humor, which once again fails on my show whenever I try this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> uh, it was... I, I, going to LA, I met up with, uh, I started doing theater at a place called Zombie Joe's Underground. And, uh, and he came to me in like 2005 and he was like, hey, we should create a horror show. And like horror and theater, I mean, those were my two loves. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And so we created a show called Urban Death, which has developed quite the cult following. I mean, if you're in LA, go see Urban Death Tour Terror this Halloween. Um, it's it's unlike any other haunt out there. Well, we do have listeners and viewers from all over the world. So if you're in LA, go to see Urban Death is what you are saying. Yeah, Zombie Joe's Underground and NoHo. So I really got to develop my my directing skills, my my creating horror skills in, in LA. So that's that's what happened in LA. How much is the horror moderated by humor in your case, whenever you're writing oh, and or directing something? 
a, a lot. Like, <laughs> I, my real passion is actually like, I, I what I really want to do is family friendly horror, like children's horror. Is there such a genre? There is now. Okay, I mean, excellent. Horror huh? theater. So <laughs> I did Urban Death, which is very adult, right? So Urban Death is my my show that runs out of L.A. that I I did in South Africa. I, we we took it to Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, we took it to New York, and it's very adult. Like we really go there. And then a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to do Urban Death for kids, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and I did it. And it was. So much fun. There's something about rules and boundaries that for me makes the creative process more interesting. You know, when they're like, do whatever you want. I'm like, I like freeze. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but you're like, oh, you can't show boobs. So, you know, you, know, <laughs> you can't no sex, no, you know, none of that, no blood. So you can but be you can be a boob, you just can't show a boob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Exactly. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, for me, I always try to put a lot of humor in my shows because, I mean, you kind of need that release, that cathartic kind of release. And, uh, you know, making people laugh, that's like almost like the the purest form of entertainment in a way. Like it's so, and especially as like a, a live performer is just instant you instantly know if you're doing it right because people are laughing you know so humor is a big big part of what i do that like horror comedy is my favorite thing to direct so how did you decide now to get involved in this project called abandon and as i mentioned earlier you're not only the director but you're also the the co-writer of it as well and again this is over at the vegas theater company in the vegas arts district and starting October 5th, how did that come about? How did the project start? Well, one of the producers, uh, Bob Bullwinkle, was my high school drama. Is, wait a minute. Is that a real name? Bob Bullwinkle. He's 6'8", too. Wow. So Okay. Because yeah. I know I know of, of Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's why I was asking that question. So, okay. <laughs> That's his real name, Bob Bullwinkle. Okay. Uh, he was my high school drama teacher. I mean, the reason I'm in theater, he was... He was he I think he won like teacher of the year in California at one point. He was just an incredible teacher. And uh, we stayed close all these years. And he came to see Urban Death and was just blown away. He thought he thought theater was dead, you know, and he saw Urban Death and he was like, uh, I, 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 you know, this is the, the most the coolest thing I've seen in 30 years. <laughs> so he wanted to get involved but he, but rather than do Urban Death, he wanted to do. He wanted to be creatively involved with the project, you know, like mm -hmm. with creating the project. So we took some elements of Urban Death because Urban Death is very. There, it's a wordless show. There's uh, the blackouts are completely black, so the lights go out. You can't see anything. The lights well, come up, and hence the term like, blackout. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, most blackouts aren't completely black. You can still see something, but just. You can't see anything. The lights come up and then you see a little disturbing moment in time. It could be sad, funny, gross, scary, any of those things, poignant. And then the lights go out and the lights come up and you see another one that happens like 45 times in an hour. That's a lot. Uh -huh. yeah. 
Okay, I hate to be I hate to be overly technical, but that's the way my mind occasionally functions. You mentioned that it goes totally black when the lights are off, but you still have to see the exit signs, right? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. I'm just checking. All right, all right. Of course, yes. of course. <laughs> just in case something scares you and you want to exit, you have to know where to go. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I would check that with you. Okay. Of course. <laughs> Comply with all the laws. Now, I don't. I don't want to imply anything with this question, but going back to Fresno for just a second, were you? Oh, a, yeah, were you <laughs> yes, were you a nerd in high school? Oh, I was a nerd before being a nerd was cool. <laughs> Actually, being a girl nerd, like you know. So yeah, I'm like old school nerd. <laughs> my, you know, my real love is sci-fi. People, uh, you know, I do all this horror, but. Uh, sci-fi is where it's really at. Can you combine those two genres, horror and sci-fi, and for your next project? Yeah, I would love to. I actually did a um, a dark sci-fi adaptation of The Tempest, and because uh, <laughs> I was watching a production of The Tempest, and I was like, <laughs> like your, <laughs> your mind is going, okay, I can turn this into something. <laughs> Yeah, I was so bored. And I was like, like, why is Prospero considered a good guy? <laughs> um, Maybe add a teapot for Tempest in a teapot. So that could work like, too. He's totally like abusing these poor indigenous people, <laughs> like, enslaving them. And, uh, so I did this whole dark sci fi adaptation where like, I totally, I used all Shakespeare's words, but I like moved stuff around and like everybody died at the end. All, all, everyone. But- oh, a comedy. Okay. I can see that. Sure. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned you're one co-writer, but there's another co-writer of Abandoned, yeah. right? Tell us about yeah. that person. Abel Horowitz. So Abel Horowitz, I met him in LA. Uh, he came to see Urban Death and was blown away and was like, I want to get involved. And he was very involved in the haunt version tour of terror and he when we went to edinburgh he was the one that did all like the 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 hard work of finding a venue you know the marketing finding a place to live while we were there and then he and i we were also hired to do a uh we wrote a an immersive experience for the paramount lot i never got greenlit i mean maybe someday it'll get greenlit but uh but we created a whole immersive experience. That's a great idea. Now that I think of it, any of the motion picture studios to have an immersive experience. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it lends itself but to it. Yeah. Yeah, COVID, it was like it all happened and then COVID hit. And so it kind of, you know, just kind of put the brakes on all that thing. But we wrote it, we sold it. And and uh, so it's it's there. Or perhaps someday they'll pull it off the shelf. <laughs> So I had worked with Abel several times and he's he's a great producer, you know. He he's he's willing to do all the work I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you so, could convince him to use a bodied as a middle name? A bo- body as a middle name? No, bodied as a middle name. Do you think you can get Abel to use Abel. bodied as I'm sorry. I I I know. Thank you for at least getting it at this point. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it. I'm done with the humor for the for for the rest of the conversation. So anyway, the three oh, of you I love puns. <laughs> so the three of you got together and you put this together <laughs> as <Right. laughs> so everybody got along. What tell us a little bit about the collaborative process and how the finished product 
looks to you so our audience gets a sense of it. I hinted at it in terms of the asylum, but can you give us a little bit more of what this is? It is it is a sexy, kinky horror show. <laughs> I like that. Wordless. Inky, um, you know, the Marquis de Sade. I don't know if you're familiar with the Marquis de Sade. You seem like a man who's familiar with <laughs> Well, I've been whipped into shape by my wife, so okay, I think I probably know what that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we, you know, we it's Vegas, so so we were wanting to do specifically Vegas, because Bob has been coming to Vegas since the 70s. Um, 1870s or 1970s? <laughs> yeah. He's been coming to Vegas for many years, and um, and I, I wanted to do something outside of L.A. And so we wanted to kind of do something that we thought would do well in Vegas, and sexy seems to do well in Vegas. Yes, correct. It has for <laughs> decades. Absolutely correct. Now, the show stars Joshua Berg. And yes. I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce the co-star's name. Perhaps you can do it. It's, is it? Julia. 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 Although it's not spelled as Julia, which is why I was having trouble with it. And it's Piolanti? I think so. Okay. Oh, good. All right. So you're having problems too. Good. Hey, All right. Piolanti. I like that. <laughs> no. <we should> <laughs> no. <laughs> She's Italian. She's from Italy. She's a Cirque Former Excellent. Performer. They're both yeah. yeah very good performers, yeah. and I hope I didn't butcher her name or or you butchered her name. One of the two. I'll blame it. I on know you. one of us probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, they're although they are um, probably the most featured in the show. It's very much an ensemble show. Mm -hmm. So it's a cast of ten, and nice. Uh, Josh is playing the Marquis de Sade, so in that respect, he's kind of the lead. But but it's still very much an ensemble show, and. And the, the whole cast is amazing. It's all locals. It's all Vegas locals. And We're not going to yeah. dissuade visitors from coming to see you when they're in town. So we're going to be locals yeah, we're really and visitors. To, we want to bridge that gap between right. locals and the tourists. Like, we want tourists to come to the arts. The arts district is really cool mm -hmm. here. You know, there's so much to do and see. And, and, uh, you know, and with Uber and stuff, I feel like it's easy now to just hop in a, a hired car and come to the arts district. It's not that far. No, it's uh, not. No, it's a wonderful uh, area and people should go. If they haven't seen it yet, they should go to the arts district in downtown Las Vegas. Part of the production also involves sound and music. So tell us a little bit about that component. Yes. Yes. So we have Joseph Bashara doing our soundtrack. He has done the soundtrack to all the Conjuring movies, the Annabelle movies, the Insidious movies, um, a lot of the James Wan movies. He's, he's I think, one of the considered one of the top horror film composers. And then our sound design is done, uh, or is Katie Halliday is her name? She's won an Emmy. Maybe she's won more than one Emmy. But she recently won an Emmy for season four of Stranger Things, which is very exciting for me because I thought the sound on that on this last season was just really cool. So, yeah, so the sound, because you're, you know, 
there is no dialogue and there are moments of pitch blackness. Sound is a, a whole nother character in the show. So it's very exciting to have them on board. Yeah, sound is important to a lot of productions. People don't think about that, but it is very important to communicate emotion, scene changes, etc. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm delighted that you have these this kind of quality uh, of people that are involved in terms of composing yeah. and, and sound design. So it works. So the plot is that this is a scary journey through a Paris asylum in the 1800s. Which is the scariest part, Paris, the asylum, or the 1800s? Or is it all three? I think, well, although it's takes, it's also kind of timeless. For me, it's it's really about being persecuted for being who you are, you know, like how you couldn't really be gay or trans or have postpartum depression or, you know, any of that without being thrown in the asylum without, you know, so, so it's, it's really about the timelessness of mental health and, and the freedom to be who you you know you be your authentic self would you be thrown so, in would you be thrown in the asylum if you just went around trick or treating at that period of time in paris i don't know was when did trick or treating come around i don't know and may that may just be an american invention i'd have to research it I, think, I i i feel like it might be mostly an american thing yeah did you trick or treat in fresno Are you kidding me trick or treating is like the greatest thing on the planet like i would <laughs> I want to be a kid just so I can, I don't even <laughs> want to eat that much candy. I just want to go trick or treating. It's the best. It is. It is. <laughs> Sorry, I got sidetracked, but I was just curious about that, that whether you did it or not. It made sense that you oh, yeah. would. Yeah. So how long did the project take to, from beginning to end to put together and to the point where you were satisfied as a, the perfectionist that you are in the genre of horror <laughs> and weird stuff? Am I ever satisfied? That's the question. Well, that's a separate philosophical question, which <laughs> we can get to in the second hour. But for now. <laughs> uh, when did we start? It's It's been, I think, about a year and a half is when we No, it's been longer than that. A little bit longer than that. No, we started writing like a year and a half ago. And... Uh, you know, we're calling, I mean, we're still changing the script. Of course, here. yeah, tweaking it here uh, and there. I, I believe that theater is always a work in progress until that final curtain drops. <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I'm one of those directors that will be giving notes <laughs> <laughs> forever. <laughs> did you do? Uh, did you end up doing rehearsals in Los Angeles first, and then move it up here, or how did that work? We did a workshop in LA with some of my my actors that I've worked with a lot that have done Urban Death numerous times. So we did a workshop with just like an invite-only audience just to, you know, see how it flows. Like a read-through, essentially, mm -hmm. because since there's no dialogue, a read-through doesn't really work. It's all visual. And uh, so we did that, and that helped a lot. That was great. That was made it very clear like what was working and what wasn't working. And, you know, we're still figuring that, you know, it's some, it, when it's in your brain, it's one thing. And then when you see it, you, you know, sometimes it doesn't look like it looked like in your brain. So you got to rethink it. 
I gather from what you said that so there's no dialogue at mm. all. It's all silent except for the, obviously the sound, which is important. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, there's vocalizations. You know, right. there's they they can use their voice, but there's no words. So this could translate into a, a global audience. That is that is our goal. Yeah, is mm-hmm. to have it playing all over the world. And also as a perennial. So in other words, you could play it every Halloween or you could play it on an ongoing basis. Yeah. To me, it's not, it's not, the show isn't about Halloween. Horror is a year round thing. Well, well, for you it is and in your life it is. (laughs) For all of us horror nerds. (laughs) But I think it's a good timing to have it right before Halloween. So that's a good. Yeah. People have it in their Rain like the 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 non horror nerds. That's when they go do scary stuff. (laughs) Us freaks want to see scary stuff year round, right? But you mentioned it transcends horror. Really, it's it's there's a lot of poignant stuff. It's it's very. It's not just scary, scary, scary. It will really make you think and feel and. So even like people who aren't into horror will come and see it and they'll feel something and they'll and, and they'll connect with something with it. It's it's all about making a connection with the audience, partnering with their imagination. You know, I'm a big believer of we don't have to show you everything. We can just hint at something and then your brain will fill it in and because normally what's going on in your head is probably a lot scarier than what we can show you. <laughs> so we just going to lead you there and let you do the rest. You mentioned that as a director, you're always going to be tweaking, and rightly so. Do your co-writers feel the same way? Do they attend a performance and then they take notes and say, you know what, we need to revise the script here or here or add a note here? Or is it just your perfectionism that is at the forefront of it all? No, it's it's all of us. Yeah, it's we're all kind of in that mindset of just just always wanting to improve things and fix things and making it better. You mentioned, uh, and it's ambitious. You have a cast of ten, so yeah, to mount this on a multi-venue situation, you, that's a that's a big cast. Plus, you have technical people, and yeah. one, if it ever expands to that point where you're in multiple cities is what I was trying to say earlier, or around the yeah. world. Do any of the cast members double up and play other characters, or is it just, it's just 10 people, no matter how you slice it? Um, There might be ways to get that down, but as it's written right now, most of the characters are just playing one character. There's some people that are playing more than one character. Uh, we have puppeteers. A couple more like puppeteers there are puppets. There's some, Very nice. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big puppet puppet person. I've I studied with the the Muppets and and you like pulling the strings, so of course you're gonna oh, yeah, be yeah, involved yeah. in that. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought I wasn't gonna do those puns anymore, but it just came out. So, I like it. I like the idea of puppets. That's great. And you don't have to pay them any more money. The puppets, I mean, yes, the oh, puppeteers right, right. you do, but not the puppets. So. <laughs> anyway, when you look at the, the when you look at the presentation of the production. Is there a story arc or is there a highlight or is it all just kind of nonlinear? There is an arc. There is a story arc, but it, it's it's also nonlinear. It's it's 
for the most part, people are playing the same characters. So you're you're seeing the people in the asylum and 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 you're also seeing the stuff that's going on through Desaad's imagination. Because in, in real life, Desaad was in in prison or an asylum like 35 years of his life. And he did most of his writing in the asylum. So that that was our a big inspiration. It's like, okay, he's in there writing. What is he writing? And so we kind of see some of that. But then we're also seeing what's actually going on in there. And my mind just went blank. That's okay. But I was surprised that they even gave him paper <laughs> and a quill in an asylum because he could hurt himself or others. So that's fascinating that he could actually write in that environment. Yeah, yeah. It, to be a fly on the wall in the you know in the 1700s, like you know he he was an instigator in the you know he was at the Bastille when like he was taken out I think only like a day or two before they stormed the Bastille and you know he would like shout out the window and like get people riled up you know <laughs> so we have all that kind of in in nice. the show I like it what's the this may be a cliche question, but I, I have to ask it. The biggest takeaway for your audience, what would you like your audience to take away from watching Abandon? And again, it's at the Vegas Theater Company in the Vegas Arts District starting October I, I, I want them to go, I, I want them to be inspired to go see more theater. I mean, we're unlike anything else in Vegas. Like, I've been going to see a lot of shows and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, the ver circus variety shows. There's a lot of that, but there's nothing like us. And, and because there's no dialogue, you know, I, I feel like people go to theater and then it's like a lot of time it's just people talking at each other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I want people to go. So, oh, I I didn't know theater could be like this. I'm gonna have to go see more theater, and uh, and hopefully um, all the other theater companies will step up. <laughs> well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Jana Weimer. She is director and co-writer of Abandon, opening October fifth at the Vegas Theater Company in the Vegas Arts District. Abandon presents a scary journey through a Paris asylum in the 1800s. There are 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. performances from October 5th through the 31st, and guests must be 17 years or older. For ticket information, go to theater.vegas/abandon. That's theater.vegas/abandon. And you can follow Abandon on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Jano, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was lovely meeting you. Same here. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.